Books like Here Comes the Darkness, The Third Glass, The Sex Index, and many, many more, all written by today's guest, John Oakley McElhenney. I hope I said that right. I'm not sure if I did. I'm sorry, John, if you're hearing this. John is an accomplished author and blogger. He's a creator of the popular blog, The Whole Parent, as well as the author of The Whole Parent Book. On this blog, he shares his personal experiences and insights on challenges and rewards of raising children alone. His writing, to me, is raw, it's honest, and it's real. He provides support and resources for single parents. He's also an actor, speaker, and advocate for single parent families. We are so grateful that John said yes to joining us on the podcast today and this week. And we can't wait to dive in with him right now with you guys. Ball Boy Media presents the Young Dad Podcast with your hosts, the Young Brothers, Jay and Aaron Young. It's about that time for you to pull up a chair, grab a juice box, grab a snack, come sit down and talk with us for a little while. Hi, who does the cartoons? It's, uh, they're from, they're not originals or anything, but they're from uh, when I was in college, I did a trip to Europe. And this this piece of art hangs in Amsterdam. And so they have the license to reproduce posters from that museum. So they're museum prints of Liechtenstein, who I've just loved as forever. Those are cool. It's panels. So it says, uh, it goes from this way across. It's backwards for you. So it goes, as I opened fire... I knew why text hasn't hadn't buzzed me. If he had, and then it comes over here, the enemy would have been warned. And the last one is that my ship was below them. <laughs> so oh. it's a, you know, it's a it's a fighter plane coming in. Anyway, that's super cool. I just no, like I love his stuff. He does these, you know, he's he did cartoons, but he blew them up. They were huge. They, mm-hmm. These panels were, you know six by eight in the that's huge holy crap yeah so it's really cool he he was the first one that sort of took that um that cartoon newspaper print type imaging Mm -hmm. and then reproduce it by painting it so it was cool he's cool that is cool yeah yeah i know that i i just noticed the artwork i'm like those are cool those are yeah but yeah no they're they're they they followed me since college so i bought them it's uh I guess it was near my end of my college career. I did a uh, semester abroad at in Oxford, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I traveled around a little bit, and that's where I got them. Are you a cartoon that's fan? Awesome. Are you a, or a comic? I love book? cartoons. Yeah, I love cartoons. I have quite a few comic books. We have a uh, a store here that does like comic books. So you walk in, and they just have like this massive row of like comic books. Yeah, like ranging from different prices or alphabetized, so it's like wow. I like to go in there and just like pick a few here and there. So I have like some random Wonder Woman ones and some random Green Lanterns and some random what? um what else? I just have a bunch of random ones because they were like they were in like the ninety nine or like the fifty cent area. So I'm like, 
oh these are cool i like the art in these so i just kept yeah. those and then i had a buddy that gave me some um he was a collector and so i bought some really cool captain america ones off of him because captain america is like my favorite marvel hero yeah so uh cool. big fan big fan of comics and cartoons i mean i grew up on cartoons so what about uh ren and stimpy did you like ren and stimpy no i want to say yes i, I want to say yes but i'm trying to remember what ren and stimpy looked like no it was before your time then it was uh it's the chihuahua and the cat that are friends oh and... yeah, yeah 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 i remember this well there's a uh there's a so in the first season i think there were eight shows and they're 15 mm -hmm. minutes long so they do two and that'd be the the thing and then yeah. they canned they canned the creator for being too wild and too crazy and then rain and stimpy went off the rails it went terrible but the first eight or ten episodes are the best cartoons ever and um, it was a cartoon sitcom that's why yeah and it changed cartooning forever because all this stuff where they where they zoom in to super extreme stuff in cartoons now you know mm -hmm. you'll see paramecium and doing stuff and then they'll zoom back out that was all ren and stimpy they were the first ones really to do it yeah didn't weren't these oh. two on like some kind of psychedelics too Oh, like that's why they always had like colored eyes and things like well, that. Well, they do. Well, no. Anyway, but uh, there's a killer movie called uh, Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy, the story of Ren and Stimpy. And it's about how it how it fell apart. It's all about the creator, John Kay, and um, and all these people that worked with him. And so then the studio fired him. Well, this whole crew of people had to try to figure out how to keep on going, you know, without the the main dude. and they. You know, they, they went on for maybe a couple seasons, but it was a terrible show after after they lost him. Anyway, it's yeah. a cool piece of lore, cartoon lore. You got to go check it out. The first eight episodes are some of the best cartoons you've ever seen in your life. And and now the they broke the box, right? They broke ex totally how you do cartoons. And now everybody does what they do. You know, this weird extreme mm -hmm. angles and, you know, they just set up camera angles in the cartoon where you're like, what the hell is going on here? And then when it starts moving, you're like, oh, my God. Right. And so they were the masters of setting up really bizarre angles. You know, obviously, they're not camera angles because they're drawing. But anyway, it's badass. That's cool. No, Go watch yeah. season one. Go watch season one. You'll lose your mind. It, there was yeah, a, I probably only watched like season four and five when I was a kid, looking at the oh, dates when they came out. Crashed. Yeah, it was just fart jokes and pimple humor. But the first yeah. opening, episode one through eight, there's one called Space Madness, which is absolutely one of the best best cartoons ever made. And the sci-fi Space Madness, the boy who cried rat. No, it's just Ren and Stimpy. It's just an episode of Ren and Stimpy. Oh no. Is that the episode, the sci-fi space madness? Oh, it's probably two. Yeah, there's probably, they did them in, they were each 15 minutes long. So they do one, have a break and do another. Okay. Space madness. Like the hard... Yeah, space madness okay. is unbelievably funny. It's just, you will not, and some of the lines from it go on forever. You'll, you'll be saying them for the rest of your life. I mean, they're iconic. Anyway, 
there's, there's our probably, little tweets yeah no there's probably i remember this cartoon but i remember watching it at the probably towards the back end of it yeah not the beginning yeah and it. so it was you know it survived but it was just crude humor at the beginning of the show it's this creative element that you won't you will not see anything like it even now. They they broke the mold. Anyway, but very cool. Very cool show. That is super cool. Well, John, you talk about cool cartoons, but you also talk about a lot of other cool stuff. So <laughs> yeah, let's, for let's, all the people listening, they heard in the intro, I introduced a few of the books you've written, The Sex okay. Index, Here Comes the Darkness, The Third Glass, mm-hmm. and many, many more. Okay. Um, you're the creator of the popular blog, The Whole Parent. Uh-huh. And just a little bit more about you. Um, you have two kids, one one who you had when you were 38, the other when you were 40. You're a single dad who lives and writes in Austin, Texas. Um, you've published, again, several books about parenting and divorce. All of them can be found on Amazon. I have that link down in our show notes. And you you make you currently make your living coaching men and women in relationships and divorce. And John is allegedly you're happiest in a relationship <laughs> and playing tennis and music with his with your two kids so True. that's a little, little bit about you um yeah. tell us anything else you want us you want us to know about you i know there's a lot here you can click your yeah, link no. you see your no, author page great. love yeah. on the air podcast your life coaching your off parent imbd page yep. and you know some stuff some post to manage anxiety from the whole parent blog, some relationship things on the whole parent blog, some self-care things on the whole parent blog, just a bunch of just amazing, good quality stuff. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm not actually a young dad anymore. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just uh, 60. I've got a 20, 20 year old and a 22 year old. So, um, but uh, I think people get that confused all the time because our last name is young. So oh, it's kind of a, it's a play on words. I see. Well, <laughs> yeah, you fooled me then. You got me. It worked. Uh, we're also young. I mean, we're both also you almost 30. Well, so. I'm young. Yeah, I'm 60 young. You are. Anyway, um, so yeah, the, uh, what, what happened for me, I'm, I've been an artist and a creative person my whole life, writer, musician, um, in high school and college, I got a degree in English, um, expecting to matriculate and become a worker. You know, hopefully someday I'll write the great American novel, but I'm still working on it. Um, but, uh, of course, then I had two incredible children, uh, and, and I really subscribe to something called attachment parenting, which is where you sort of let the experience of becoming a parent uh, completely morph you as well as, as the new children and attachment parenting believes that it's through the connections that we have with our kids, tight, healthy, trusting relationships with our children established early on, but continuing through their whole lives, that that attachment is what creates a positive and optimistic parenting relationship later on early you know, when they're toddlers, they're, they're our entertainment. They're amazing. Yes. Both parents really, you know, in a marriage, uh, I'd say for the first five to seven years, we were just focused on, wow, these two little children that we've created. It was mm-hmm. phenomenal. 
right? You know, our whole lives changed. But I think during the course of those years, we might not have uh, paid enough attention to the relationship between the two of us. And so we focused mainly on being parents. Um, they were everything that we, you know, thought about and they were our entertainment. They probably ended up being, you know, what kept the relationship together even after things had started uh, fragmenting a little bit and, and not uh, working so great. Uh, so anyway, what, what, what happened for me being a creative person, a musician, a writer, um, when my, my, uh, my wife asked for a divorce, it was, it wasn't, I wasn't blindsided that things were hard. I was blindsided that we were going to get a divorce. That was the part I was like, wait, what? Um, so because, how, how old were the kids and how long have y'all been together, had been together when she had asked for the divorce? Um, I think the kids were seven and nine. They were okay. getting ready. They were still, they were, I believe in fifth and third grade. So okay. I had a my son is older. I believe he was in fifth grade. My daughter was in third and um, it was uh, okay. towards the end of the school year. And, uh, and, and basically she, uh, you know, what, for whatever reason, she made some decisions probably out of her survival instinct uh, to get a divorce. Um, what happened for me as a dad, because we, you know, the law still in, in say 80% of the States in the U S still gives the mom sort of the priority. Uh, and that's, I knew that's where I was going. Um, it, it, it absolutely shattered my world. I was not, I was not ready uh, I didn't know that's where I was going. Um, I did, you know, kind of fight and work for about five weeks. Uh, I stayed in the house and I, it wasn't that I was trying to convince my wife to stay, but I was trying to, one, I wanted to get the kids to summer break before we, you know, broke the news to them. Um, and the school counselor was the person that finally got my wife to agree that that was probably a good idea. She just wanted me to leave. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not walking out. There's no way. So anyway, yeah. But, but what happened was, you know, dad, so me that summer, the next thing I knew I had, you know, every other weekend with my kids instead of all the time, that was, that was the biggest heartbreak. Um, but you also, I also walked out of the house, the neighborhood, the whole routine. You know, I played tennis at a nearby club three days a week. Well, that's gone. I lost the membership. I lost everything. Um, had to move in with my sister because I was in between, you know, sort of major jobs. I was freelancing. And that event shook everything in my entire life. I didn't... Uh, I was already blogging, so I already had a blog that was about marketing and digital, social media, and things like that. So I started a blog right then when she first said that she wanted a divorce, and that one is called The Off Parent. So this one, when I launched it, it was totally anonymous. Um, today, there are some links to my books and things. There are ways to, to find out who I am. But that's yeah. because my kids are older and it, it doesn't matter anymore. But when I launched it, 
you couldn't have Googled me and found it, right? It, it didn't, uh, yeah. there were no connections between me and that blog. But on that one, I really howled, you know, I really let it out how painful it was for me. Um, yeah. And it transformed me. So I went, uh, you know, the writing of the blog is actually what changed kind of everything in my life. Um, today, uh, so about, I'm going to tell you a little bit longer about that story. So okay. about, about a year and a half in, um, I realized something that I had been writing about on the blog already. So my blog is really me just trying to figure it out. It isn't, it, it wasn't meaning to attack her. It was really just to unload what was going on for me. But which, what I which learned, is so important, like that having that outlet and having that space just for like everyone yeah. listening, like you have to find your thing. Like I'm a lot of the same way. A lot of my processing through, you know, my situation with divorce and single parenting, co-parenting, all that stuff has been a lot of writing, has been blogging, has been um, this podcast, has been talking to really cool people like you, John, and just having that outlet there because you have yeah. to figure out a way to get it out. Because if not, then it ruins your world even more than it already is. Yep. No, it's true. And, and therapy is great. I used, yes. uh, I used and still use Al-Anon a lot. I'm a, I'm a adult child of an alcoholic, but going yep, to Al-Anon meetings has been a way that has really helped ground me when I'm not in a relationship and when I'm floundering, I can always mm -hmm. show up at a, at a uh, Al-Anon meeting with like-minded people who are just on the path to heal themselves. That's the thing about a yes. Al-Anon is about healing yourself in relationship to people who are toxic, maybe around alcohol, maybe around drugs, doesn't matter what their addiction is, but it's our addiction to them. Yes. We are trying to heal ourselves from. And uh, yes, and so, I agree. I went to a lot of Alateen and Al-Anon meetings. Good. Yeah. Um, as a teenager and as a young adult. And I think they're, I think those are great ways. You know, you have to find that support group. You have to find that community. You have to find your outlets to get yourself to, to heal. You're healing, not healed. You know, you're always healing. You're always becoming a better person. You're always working toward that, toward that person you want to be, but you have to do it with like-minded people and like-minded individuals to yeah. be able to get there. Yeah. And you have to yeah. find ways that work for you because everything's going to be different. Like I've done therapy. I did a specific therapy. I did forgiveness therapy mm, throughout nice. the early parts of my separation and divorce and whatnot. And that really, really helped because I wasn't just forgiving her. I was forgiving my biological mother and all these other parts that I didn't right. know I needed to heal. And that really just set off a lot of things and podcast writing, everything, you know, these were just all just super healthy ways that helped me like get it out and feel better about everything going on around me. So yeah. anyways, well, so what happened was in the course of writing this blog and, you know, I had, uh, you know, posts that were really angry. I had posts where I was trying to figure it out. But ultimately, as you begin writing about this stuff, you can't just rail the whole time. So you begin to sort of self-heal. And what I, one of the premises that I understood maybe in the first year was when she would send a text that was angry and you know, trying to be angry, trying to be divisive. And I would respond in kind, 
it would just escalate and then we'd be assholes to one another and it was no good for anybody. So yeah. what I learned and what I uh, kind of came up with was no matter what she sends me, I'm never, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to respond anymore with anger. I'm going to, and, and at this time, what, I kind of figured it out on the off parent writing about it. But then I decided I would start a new blog with my name on it and it would be a hundred percent positive. So I was going to try to take these experiences and find the lesson, you know, find what I could learn from this adventure. Um, and about the seventh or eighth post of that blog, the whole parent, um, I met, uh, Ariana Huffington of the Huffington post and they picked my they picked my blog up and it just exploded. The so rest picked, is history. Yeah, they picked up the whole parent um, after like eight, just only eight posts, and then it went to wow. you know, yeah, a couple hundred thousand a month for a while. I mean, it was amazing. Um, it's very different really now, cool. um, but now I uh, again I write like you do. A lot of it is a journal. Um, I'm healing myself. I'm learning better ways of coping with a difficult co-parent. That's something I, I write a lot about. Um, dealing with my own maybe depression, um, mindfulness, and how to get out of some of the rat race of, that we do when we, uh, especially as single parents, we're always second guessing ourselves. We're always, you know, feeling a little bit guilty, wishing we could have done better. I know um, that I did the best that I possibly could. And I know that I put my efforts into even healing the relationship after she'd asked for divorce. Um, and, and the whole parent finding that perspective finally that really released, I can release her from that anger and just focus on me and my children. Um, it really changed my whole life. So Absolutely. something would happen. This was for, for about a year, year and a half, something would happen and I'd be like, all right, I kind of want to write the off parent post, right? I kind of want to get pugilistic and fight yeah. back. But the bigger man and the, and the wiser man would write on the whole parent and try to figure out the flip side, what is, what is the positive that can come from this situation? And, um, and so I've been writing that one for about, I think maybe 10 years now. Wow. Um, and so just the nature of writing that much, uh, I then, you know, pull books together out of this writing. Oh um, yeah. And With it's hundreds of hundreds of posts, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to pull stuff together you just have to search back and copy yeah. paste and edit that's it a little bit and yeah 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 no and that's something really cool i see i've noticed a lot of books now are kind of going that way where they're they're kind of topic based it's not really like a story at yeah. least in at least in this realm of like parenting divorce yeah. dating post-divorce all these to, different I've topics got, it's all topic based yeah i've got two that are there it's funny so the two books that are more narrative are the two that came out of the off parent mm. so 
two that came out of this struggling hardship. The first one's called The Fall of the House of Dad, which was sort of how my ex-wife went after me being able to own a house and threw me to the AG's office when it didn't need to happen. Um, and then the most recent one was another, it was a post, it was a summary post that I'd written on the off parent called, uh, I think it was called Divorce Lessons. And uh, and I realized when I looked at that post, which was an index of all these other uh, stories from the off-parent, that it was a narrative. It was just the story. And so I just recently pulled that one out and uh, put, put that one together called the, uh, I believe it's called Divorce Lessons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, like I said, you, at the beginning, you have so many different books and topics on the, your your blog yeah. and it's all over the place there there's so much information and it's so cool because it's that firsthand perspective it's something that you went through it it's literally your story of how you went through it overcame it and you know you mentioned a lot of really cool things about how you got to a point where you were the off parent where you were just wanting to you know knuckle up you know fight fight fire with fire but eventually came to the point of the whole parent, you know, that whole journey of the off parent, you became from the off parent to the whole parent to where you wanted to, you know, I'm actually going to take this, I'm going to take it on the chin and I'm going to choose, you're making conscious choices to be positive. Yeah. I can honestly say I have gotten to that point where it took me nearly two years to find, granted, the situation was very different for myself to where they my ex and her now I can actually say her her husband I couldn't say that for a while because they yeah. I didn't want to right but where they got together pretty much same hopefully you can pick up on this they got together same day that we got divorced if you if you can catch my drift there wow. um, without yeah. saying it and they've been together since well, maybe even a little bit before we officially divorced too, if you, if you catch my drift. Yeah. Um, so we, um, it took me a long time to really come around to the idea of this person that is now permanent in my life and my kid's life that didn't come in in a positive light to begin with. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah. So it was really hard to that point to where it took it took me take it's taken nearly two years two plus years now to really come around to being able to even send him a text message, yeah. And to the point where I've done enough on my end to say, hey, you know, let's let's put the past in the past and try to move forward, since this dynamic obviously isn't going anywhere. Let's try to make the best of it. We don't have to be friends. We don't have to be buddy buddy. But let's be let's be cool. Yeah, you know. And there never was that from him towards me, maybe a little bit, but there was always more towards me toward him, more opposition, more like, touch my damn kids, I'm going to knock your ass out kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, know your place kind of thing. Yeah. Puff, puff in the chest kind of stuff. But, you know, it's it took me a long time to really start to become where I'm in now to become that better version to where my ex and I can text each other and say, hey, you know, this kid forgot this at your place. Can you drop it off or can you drop it off or just kind of thing? Yeah. 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 
to where before it was like, oh, I don't, it's, it's fine. I don't want to bother. I don't want to go into yeah, that. So there's so. a two, there's a couple of things I want to, I want to share with you that I think are really helpful. And one is a, is like a little maxim. It's like a little story about your ex. Um, when, when you're divorced and you have children, one of the ways to frame it for yourself, especially in the early days when you're trying to get over the emotional craziness that's going on on both sides, it's mm-hmm. crazy on both sides. Even if you're both as positive and trying as hard as you can, your whole world has been thrown uprooted and you've got to re-address your whole approach, really, right? Whole approach, so, yeah. Yeah, so one of the things that I learned early on in one of my recovery classes that I took was you um, think of your ex as the convenience store clerk, right? The person at the 7-Eleven, you come in, you just want to pick up your Slurpee and be on your way. You don't really need to know about their day. You don't really need to know what's you know troubling them. And the more you can put the kids and that relationship in that sort of transactional mode, where it's really just about pick up, drop off, health, you know, do we need to talk about expenses or the doctor or school, you know, the co-parenting stuff. Yeah. And then and then be on your way, right? Take exactly. your kids, be on your way. Um, you don't need to get involved in what's wrong with her life, why she's not a great parent. All that stuff is not for you, really. Yeah, right? this is, does it? Yeah, no, you're, yeah, no. We have to focus on ourselves and uh, and do the best that we can as as parents. And then the last part, the other piece that I want to tell you is, I I do a lot of I do a lot of coaching, and I coach men and women. But I but mm-hmm. I you know one of my sweet spots, of course, is men beginning the journey into divorce. Usually, they call me; they're completely freaked out. Yeah. You know, they, oh, they well, because no it's, it's so scary. It's so it scary. It's like. Yeah. You're terrified, especially if you have kids, because every man knows like what the courts are. Right. No matter what the situation. I was very lucky that I ended up having the upper hand. I filed all the paperwork. I'm the custodial parent. Oh, I wow, nice. I have fifty fifty of my kids. Um because of the situation, you know. Yeah. And yeah. her being at a place where, you know, she could admit fault and there was no reason for her to hold the kids or to hold the kids from each other because, you know, at the time when it happened, we had a five month old and oh we had a five month old and it was 2021. No, it was 20, yeah, 2021. And we had a five month old and an almost four year old. So, wow. Kids are That's... super young, but, you know, it yeah. was. It just ended up, you know, working out how it was supposed to. So I'm, I'm yeah. very, very blessed. I'm very, very yeah. lucky to be able to say that, that I was able to essentially win my right. rights that I, I, even though I didn't have to fight for them because I'm the one that held the, held the leverage in my hand the whole time. But yeah. Yeah. So the thing, one of the things that I really, that I'm trying to write more about and trying to understand a little bit more dads, right? We have a different path in divorce. It's, it's very different for fathers. And what I different. believe is a strong man can hold the line, even for the spinning out of control off parent, right? So even as my ex-wife was doing crazy stuff, 
I was able to settle down, get really solid in my own life and where I was going and let her be this satellite that was spinning out. And I didn't have to respond to that. Really, all I had to pay attention to was my kids. And so I think dads can be stronger in a divorce. I know that I didn't get the time that I wanted with my kids because of the way my divorce went down. But what one of the side benefits of that is when I showed up for my kids, I was 110% every single time. There was no mundane, you know, irritation at my children for being teenagers. I just was so happy they were there, right? So there's a little bit of that effect. But what I, when I work with dads, it's, it's really, um, I think the process is involves three really important steps. And Mm -hmm. the first one is decoupling that rage and that anger from your ex partner um, and learning that responding with an ang to an angry text with an angry text is bad for the whole deal. It's bad Mm -hmm. for your kids. It's bad for your ex, but it's really bad for you too, right? It, it, it riles you up. So So the first part of that whole process for me is detaching ourselves from the rage and the the uh, craziness of the ex-wife, focusing on the health of the dad, because I believe that the healthier we get, you know, are you exercising enough? Are you sleeping? Are you eating well? Are you drinking too much alcohol or abusing something, some other drugs, you know? You, you're going to need all your facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so c- building a healthier dad is one of the first steps in any of my coaching programs. I focus in on the dad and your plan. What is it that you want? Where are you going? How are we going to get there? Kids are second and kids need a healthy parent. So the, by focusing and learning to heal yourself you're going to show up for your kids in the divorce in a much stronger, saner, less reactive way that can diffuse a lot of the the BS that goes on um, just with miscommunications. And, you know, even if your co-parent is angry and vindictive by being a bigger man and a, and a more positive, less reactive person, Um, we can settle that down. We can keep a lot of that drama out of our kids' lives. And then the last part is really isolating the the BS from the ex-partner, realizing that there's no closure. We don't need anything from them. Uh, Closure's a myth. They're never going to say they're sorry. They're never going to say they made a mistake. Mm -mm. You have to let that whole piece go and, and re- retain that focus on yourself, your health, and your relationship to your kids, and let the ex-wife have all of her own stuff, right? Whatever, yes. even whatever she's dealing with, with her new husband, my, my ex is remarried, you know, that's no longer my business, and I don't have anything to work out with her. So that was a big deal, right? If I don't have anything to work out with her, and she shows throws a shitty text my way, I have a choice. I can respond in kind and fire back, or I can go, wow, my ex-wife's being a little crazy today. I'm not responding to that. I'm going to respond to the question, you know, was about next weekend, right? 
Yeah. I'm not going to respond to the BS. I'm going to respond to the logistics, like the like the convene back to the convenience store clerk. All I need to know is when am I picking the kids up? When am I dropping them back off? And what else do we need to talk about? That's pretty much it. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. I agree. And it, it's it's hard to get to that point where you where you do separate. You know, it takes time. You know, these things are going to take time, you know, separating that anger and that rage because there's going to be so much of it, especially for, yeah. for men, just in general, because that is how men traditionally, that's how feelings come out. But a lot of men don't realize that that anger, anger is a secondary emotion. Anger is because there's an unmet need. There's something else controlling that anger. There's something you're now at, you went from A, you were at A, now you're at C, C is the anger. But you missed B. You're missing B, and you have to go kind of be able to take a step back and be like, okay, why? Why am I angry? What is causing me anger? What is causing this rage and this this intense emotion? Because you have to understand, anger is a secondary emotion. So, what is that first? What's that first thing right here that I'm not not addressing? That's not being addressed. And then you know, going into that second part, you have to work on you. You have to work on yourself. Because, you know, you have to realize you probably weren't the perfect partner either, you right. know, at least for myself. It, take, it took two to tango, took two to get into the situation. There's things you did, didn't do, could have done, should have done, should have, would have, could have, all of that stuff. You have to go back and you have to fix yourself. You have to work on you. You have to fill, essentially go back and start refilling your cup. Because like you said, those cups that you have to pour into are just yours and your kids now. You don't have a partner's cup to fill into. So essentially you have more to fill in to less, but you have to make sure that yours is full by working on yourself, controlling your health, controlling your eating habits, your sleeping habits, your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, which I feel is huge. Um, however that looks for the individual, yeah. um, your emotional health, you have to get all these things right. You have to figure out what it all looks like because eventually you probably want to be into a, a new situation. You want to be, you know, possibly remarried or into something new or start dating again and back out there and all that fun stuff. And yep. you can't really move forward and expect to have something better if you aren't bettering yourself along the way. Yeah. So. And here's the piece that that uh, you learn at least a, another one of these maxims that you learn when you start dealing with depression is I, I had a very angry, abusive, alcoholic dad. So I didn't learn how to be angry. I learned how to avoid anger. Right. So yeah, I'll do you learn coping. anything. I'm, I'm uh, what is it called? Uh, it's, what is it? It's not anger averse. I don't, I, I'll do anything to not get in a fight. Right. So yeah, you'll avoid it. You'll avoid, avoid it. That's yeah. what I want to do. Avoid it. But what happens is that anger, like you say, is going somewhere. And if you don't get a handle on it and you don't even figure it out, what it turns into is depression. So yes. depression is anger turned inward. You're angry mm -hmm. instead of firing at the people who are making you angry, you know, like you should shoot back. You're mm -hmm. you're blowing yourself away and feeling bad about yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and that for me was the biggest healing was 
getting my anger up and out. So it's better. My, my therapist used to love to say it's better to be homicidal than suicidal. Clearly you don't want to do either, but, yeah. but you want to point the anger where the angers do, right? The, the person mm -hmm. that cheated or the person that, you know, did these bad things, whatever, that's where the anger resides. It's, it, it should not be taken inward as, Oh, uh, you know, we're at fault. And, um, but, but truly for me, it was my inability to even identify how angry I was. I was really angry. I was also really sad. And usually sadness is what's underneath that rage. It's the sad that we don't want to touch. And rage is easy. It's easier to be mad and be angry on top of it. But if you if you sit and listen to that anger over time, you'll find out that underneath it is probably hurt, sadness. Um, and that's the that pivot of sort of coming out of it is is determining that you're gonna let that anger and energy fuel you but you have to point it back where it is deserved and, and quit pointing it at yourself because we tend to point it at ourselves, mm -hmm. blame ourselves. We get angry. We don't quite understand it. And we just circulate that stuff in ourselves. Whereas if we especially got angry, men, especially yeah, men. Oh, especially if we got angry and we said, wow, that was really a crummy thing for this person to do. I'm angry at them. It, it, it changes the dynamic. And it gives us more mm -hmm. motivational energy to make our lives better, do better at what we're doing. Don't mm -hmm. do that. Whatever that was that that angry co-parent did, don't do that. That's not, you know, that's not the way forward. That's not mm -hmm. good for anybody. Anyway, I love the uh, anger is really hard for men. It's, so it's either, but but they can be polar, right? Either they're into it and they're really angry. That's a different kind of man. Or maybe like you and I are a little more sensitive. We get rageful and then we pull it back in and go, oh, this must be mine. But some of yeah. it, some of it is not ours. Some of it is actually the person that's doing the dumb stuff. 100%. No, 100%. And, and I feel like you have to, I feel like for you and I, we're able to feel it, recognize it, and then ask ourselves why. Why am I feeling this? What is yeah. causing this? And I, I hate the word triggered, but it's like, yeah. what is, what is that trigger? Where is that trigger coming from? And I feel that so often, finally now, like two, two plus years removed to where I can be yeah. like, okay, stop. What's, what is this? So right your now? kids now uh, six and almost two? Uh, Almost six and two and a half now. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. So it's been a long, it's been a long road, but. And how's it um, going with you? How are you doing? You know, after a while, you know, at first it was, it was rough. The hardest thing is probably adjusting to the silence. That's, that's rough. And I just wrote about it's it actually. It's, yeah, that, that quiet, mean? yeah, that quiet yeah. where you go from all this noise and yeah. all this sound and all the all the stuff to not having it to where it's like, I, parent, yeah. When you're a parent, that sound and noise is love. That's, that's your exactly. world. And exactly. so when it comes to just you in the apartment, it, it is devastating 
yeah. to try to pull yourself back together and figure out, you know, what's going to give you joy. And so I'm really glad. So did you start the uh, blog and the podcast sort of at the same time or how did, how did you end up so uh, down it, your path? How it started for me was that I was already kind of blogging. I was doing baseball blogging and stuff because that's like where my, my passion lies. I love baseball. I've always loved baseball. Oh, cool. So I was just kind of starting and, you know, baseball blogging, making TikToks and things like this and that and just baseball stuff. And then it, then the divorce happened and I actually didn't do anything creative for, oh, it was a long time. It was maybe a year. I was going to school. I was working on my bachelor's. Um, you know, I was working full time, working on my bachelor's, you know, going through this whole thing. So it was, it was a lot and just kind of trying to figure out myself. And then eventually, you know, I stumbled back into it with my brother and we were trying to, we've been talking about making a podcast for a long time and we, it was trying to figure out the idea of like, what do we want to do? And then all of a sudden, one day I'm working at the credit union. I don't work there anymore, but I was working at the credit union. And one day it just like came to me and I'm like, young dad podcast um we talk about just our life experiences you know growing up with our you know grandparents and growing up like separate and you know our life experiences you know me being divorced single going through all this you being married with now three kids and all this stuff and just how it was so different but balanced and how we can make it fun and entertaining and related relatable to parents and dads and whatnot so we've been going for this podcast for almost about a year now i've been writing since i was in high school between like short stories i would write short stories in my english classes because the work was way too easy and i would just write and write and write and write so i've always just written and then turned into blogging in college and just really random little blogs on like blogspot that lasted for a few months at a time. So just a bunch of random little things that sure. 18, 19 year old little naive me would write. And that's, that's you, you did, you, you develop that inner voice that gets fed by writing. And um, it's, it's been what saved my life, you know, several times over. hundred um, percent. The process, this stuff for yourself without a therapist for me, it's I write it down. When I start writing, it, mm-hmm. it starts coming out, and I organize it. You know, when you put a language, this is really this is really pivotal. When you put the language around your divorce, when you begin writing the the narrative, these these phrases and these ways that you have come to uh, describe the divorce become your sort of framework for recovery. I think. Because no, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I I can now see how my ex-wife and I, you know, didn't have the skills relationship-wise to navigate the period when our kids were finally back in school. We didn't have it. The love language book didn't exist yet. You know, we didn't know any of that stuff, and we were very incompatible, actually. You know, we had great kids, and for five and seven years while they were growing up, that's all we had to focus on. And the minute we had to turn back to the relationship, I was willing and she was ready to do something else. So, yeah, same. So, yeah. So we were, we were married for about five years and 
together for a little bit more than that and met in college and all that fun stuff and oh you married in yeah. college yeah we got married in college and whatnot and so um it was a it was a long it was a path and we were really young we had our first kid i mean i was just barely 22 she was turned she was two weeks away from turning 20 so we were like super wow. young and um, all that fun stuff but no it's being on the other side of it i'm looking back now in hindsight you know after writing um one thing i publish and have been publishing on the on the website is the well-balanced dad diet oh, which cool. is like which is a series of blog posts, a 12 part series. Um, each one's nice. like 1500 words. So however that maths out, that was a lot of just tireless writing and a huge project, but it was super fun. I loved it. But now I'm, you know, posted six, six of those and um, awesome. halfway through it. And it's just, it's really just been a really cool, like inward reflection for myself of these different, like you're saying, this framework, this communication of things I've learned, things I've done, things I, haven't done that I plan on doing ways I've grown ways I've healed and stuff and it's just been a it was a really great process to really realize wow I've come a long way mm -hmm. like I've come a really long way to get to now where I am you know fast forward through all of it to today I am dating the most amazing woman she's incredible great. she's beautiful she's my lock screen she's my favorite person she's what she's what? What my lock screen on my phone oh nice yeah mine she's too She's, my dad, you know, just, my girlfriend, and my daughter, I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to show mine, but she'd probably get mad at me if I shoot. Oh, that's my cute. Daughter and, yeah, my girlfriend. So yeah. we've been dating for officially dating for a few weeks now, but it's been about a year of trying to figure everything out between her and I. And it's it's rough. You know, as you know, dating after divorce, it's not, it's not easy. It's it sucks, especially now. And, 2021 2022 2023 up until this point it sucks it yeah. fucking sucks yep i don't know how long how long yeah, have you and your is, girlfriend been together uh october it'll be two years we're doing uh in fact i i would i've been writing about it a bit um but i think this may be the first healthy relationship i've ever been in same and that's pretty wild <laughs> pretty wild to say um, and I knew I wrote a book. Well, the first book I wrote was called single dad seeks. And it was the lessons that I learned sort of in those first two or three years of dating. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, and it chronicles the first two relationships, uh, and what they taught me, you know, so each time, especially when we come out of divorce, we're wounded, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're not our complete self. Um, I knew that I wanted to be back in a long-term relationship and I knew it was going to take a long time. I mm. knew it was not going to be, uh, you know, one and done. And, uh, and so I, I was very deliberate in my dating and, and even to the point when I met the woman that I'm dating now, um, for me, dating is uh, like a distraction, right? I don't want to be dating. I want to find, I want to be in the relationship. Mm -hmm. The dating is the part where you're trying to figure out, you know, is this, does this relationship have potential? Is this person crazy? You know, is this person <sighs> sane? Do they have their act together? What are their kids like? Mm -hmm. But 
the act of actually building the relationship is where I'm focusing a lot of my writing now. You know, mm -hmm. the dating part is the first step. You definitely have to get through dating to even have the opportunity to start working on a relationship. 100%. But it's work on the relationship and communication skills and and the ability to contain uh things when they get out of balance. Like I'm a big fan of Brene Brown's uh, Braving. Um, I think she wrote the book on, you know, men with women, something happens, the woman's upset, men, we come in and we try to offer the answer. Oh, well, I've got the answer. I know here's exactly it. what we, we want to fix it. We want to fix it. Fix yeah, yeah. It. And really what we need to do is say, wow, I can see you're upset. I can't fix it, but I can stay here beside you and not run away from it mm -hmm. and just be beside you while you go through this hard time. Yeah. And that is really hard to learn how to do. I was uh, raised by really by three women. So it's very hard for me not to lean into the fix mm -hmm. and really just stand brave. Yeah. So that's kind of another one of the things you stand bravely beside your struggling partner, and you say, I'm here, I'm safe, and I'll be here when you get through this. 100%. The last part, though, is it's not me. You think I'm the target. You think I'm what you're really upset about. But this kind of anger is something going on a something long else. time that you, you need to work out, right? I yeah. may have forgotten to, to bring home dinner. <laughs> but you shouldn't be mad for a week because that one thing happened. That's, that's, I agree. Right. <laughs> I agree. And I think it's, I think part of that also goes back to, this is one thing I heard in terms when it relates to um, more when you have a mate or a friend that's someone, um, sorry, I say mate because I talk to a lot of people from Australia on the podcast. So, oh yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, but we, one thing I learned about when it comes to like suicide prevention and talking to someone who's just like really down and, you know, having those feelings is, you know, three things. I learned to ask them one question that offers them three choices. Do you want space? Do you want to talk about it? Or do you want a distraction? There you go. To That's kind great. of help them when they're in that moment, when they're feeling it, because you offer them those three different things and they have a very clear choice. Yeah, I want to add add the fourth choice because I think the fourth choice is: Do you just want to be held? Do you just want to be? Touched? Yeah, of course. When a, in a relationship, yeah, I think it's. Yeah. I think that's so important. You mentioned love languages earlier, and I think it's so important to a know your love language. Yeah. But b know all the love languages, and I spent a lot of time writing about this, talking about this. Um, like I love the love languages. I think they're so interesting. I think they're so vital. Like they are yeah. vital. They are essential to knowing yours and knowing your partners. But then also as part of that, you have to be willing to speak your partners, even if it's not yours, because not everyone, like for me, it's quality time and physical touch for the girl I'm dating. She is that, the, but is that the balance? It's time and then touch. It's time and then touch. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I want you to spend time with me other than don't buy me a gift because if you buy me a gift, I'm going to be so uncomfortable and I'm not going to, I'm going to cringe. Wow. I'm going to feel really out of place. But okay. instead of buying me a gift, that money that you would have spent, take, let's go out to dinner or something, or let's go bowling or let's go oh, in. Yeah. Give me a time. 
Yeah. Give me your time. I don't want your money. I want your time because yeah. time is more valuable. Um, yeah, I've written a lot about, and I really believe time is the currency, right? Time 100%, is it. 100%. Yeah. I heard That's the statistic the other day that you are going to spend 75% of the time, 75% of the time you will spend with your kids during their lifetime is by the time that they're about 13 years old. That broke yeah. my heart. Yep. Because, I mean, it's yeah, true. It's I, I look back it. and I think about it and it's like, wow. Yeah, crazy. I heard the one The one I heard that there was a similar uh, moment was, you know, you're probably really only going to get about 15 Christmases, 15 mm -hmm. birthdays before mm -hmm. they become the teenagers that don't want that kind of interaction. And when that period is done, hopefully you've done the um, – the attachment parenting. So you have good heartfelt, energetic, emotional connections with your kids. Cause if you don't, these kids that, that come out that are, you know, aggressive or have uh, attention deficit problems and all that, and you don't have that attachment, it is really hard to discipline and stay connected at the same time to a teenager. Because mm -hmm. man, discipline, they're just like, I'm out then I'm, then I'm out. You know, and especially after divorce, dad, you know, with only uh, every other weekend on my side, I really had to play it political or I'd, they'd be pissed off at me for, you know, I don't have as much time. I don't even have the time to repair. So, so yeah, so it's it's um, it's a fine line there, but um we're getting close on time here. Granted, we could go into all these different parenting topics all day. I love all these different topics oh. and can't believe it's almost already been an hour. Um, yeah. It's a lot of fun when you're, it's fun when you're having fun. Well, um, what are you finding um, as the most important thing you learned after your divorce uh, about being a dad? I know that I'm turning the tables on you a little bit. A little but, bit. I'm not used to that, but. Yeah, but I know you have the story. I know you. Oh, 100%. I always have the story. I always have the story. Um, most important thing I learned after my divorce about being, being a dad. <sighs> I guess the best I way to describe it. A six-year-old and a, almost a two-year-old. Two-year-old and a six, almost a six-year-old. Yeah, I would say that you have to, of course, you have to understand love languages, but you also have to understand like brain chemistry. You have to understand that a child's going to make their uh, attachment web and their love tree by the time that they're about six years old. And you, you're either in or you're out. You're either all in as a parent or you're, you're out. You can't be, can't be wishy-washy. You can't be inconsistent. You can't be in between. Nothing like that. You can't. You can't. You have to be all in. Well, you're still in the building period then. So you still have time to... Uh... To do it right. Yep, I'm almost out of the building period with my older one, of course. But that one's that one's pretty locked down. That one's pretty solid. I'm not worried about her. I'm not worried about my younger one either. But yeah, um, I think it's harder with the with the younger one because she does like also understand like my ex's husband is also a a father figure. You know, a what? A father figure. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like another like parental figure where my older one yeah. knows, she knows that, you know, you call him by his name. You don't right. call him whatever your mom's calling him with the baby and things like that. Right. Um, right. 
that's a whole nother thing. Like they had, she got pregnant three months after our divorce, after we split. And then pretty much within like a, within like a few weeks after we divorced and then we finalized our divorce, they were like officially married after that. So, um, wow. whole thing anyways. Um, but like I was saying, you know, what I really realized is that you have to be fully present. You have to be all in, you have to understand your kids. You have to understand like take the time to learn take the time to learn about children and psychology read blogs find podcasts um and find things that will help you process you know i read a lot of audiobooks and things like that but i would say probably the most important things i learned is put your fucks where they need to go put your fucks in the right buckets and um the book that i read that went with this is um it has an orange cover is it What's that book called? Is it not? What is it called? It has an orange cover. It's by the same author that wrote on Fuck Yourself. It's Gary John Bishop. Oh, um, oh my gosh. Basically, it's I, I don't know where my book is. Anyways, we well, can put um, it in the uh, in the chat. I mean, in the info of the... Yeah, I'll have to, because I love this book. But basically, the book itself was put your fucks where they deserve to be put. Put them in the areas and the places where they actually deserve to be. Take them out from where they don't deserve to be. So essentially, what I did is I took them from my, my ex and from that relationship, took all my fucks there, everything there, and... This is an independent podcast. I press the explicit. So if you just heard all that, yeah. then I'm sorry. It was there. There is an E by the title. <laughs> um, you missed that. Sorry. Sorry about it. But, you know, you take them from where they, where they don't deserve to be. You take them and you put them over here where they deserve to be. And then you also go back and you reevaluate. Why do I give so many fucks about work? Work needs two fucks. I put two fucks there i take the other eight <laughs> fucks out kind of thing just no. to give it an analogy but you know you yeah. you you understand you have to reevaluate you and you start asking yourself why ask yourself why more why am i feeling this way why am i doing what i'm doing why am i reacting this way why 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 you constantly question yourself in a way that you start to understand oh that's why I feel this way, or that's why I'm doing this, or why am I doing this? Why am I reacting this way? Like I'm being ridiculous right now. Um, so those and are the things that. How are you doing in the, in your process with that at two years in? How's your how's your fuckability? Uh, <laughs> are you still uh, getting fucked with, or have you learned to uh, detach from her? Pretty much. I've learned to detach. You know where it's. I don't. You know, it's. I mean, I don't think you ever get over it. That's people ask me. I've been divorced thirteen years, and they're like, "Well, when are you going to get over your divorce?" And I'm like, "What? That, that that's not even the right question." You know, I'm still. I can get mad in about thirty seconds when I think about all the time I lost with my kids and the opportunity. You know, time is the currency, and the years between. 10 and 20 that I lost with my son and seven and whatever, mm -hmm. I'll never get that back, you know? And, and that was the choice of someone that, you know, went against, anyway, there was nothing I could do about it. Yeah. And I think and it's I so crazy that, 
yeah. I'm just so grateful that it wasn't I wasn't in the situation to where you know because it's it's really true it's a sad reality I'm I'm getting ready to write about this I just haven't figured out a, the best way to go about it but um you know some kids are fatherless because their mother wanted to prove a point mm-hmm. it's so often that there's a a mother and not to take jobs at any mothers out there because I know there's a lot of great moms and I know there's a lot of moms who are using their kids as leverage for those kids yeah. those moms that are using their kids as leverage that have a very capable willing and able co-parent who didn't do anything wrong in the situation and you're using the kids as leverage you can get fucked um because that's fucked up you're hurting your kids to prove a point and and it sucks because it's it's hurting the kids and these parents and it goes both ways there's dads that are also in that situation because yeah. they're trying to prove a point and i see it all the time i'm in so many dad's groups and they're like huh got the bitch now got her now you know look at these text messages i got posting screenshots and posting all these things about their their kids mothers and shit like that and i'm just like what the fuck like that's not the point like you are right. missing the point like yes use that when you have to use it but don't celebrate that like it's a huge win because you're creating a a toxic attachment here you're creating just something so you're giving too many fucks um like take it take it for what it is take it with a grain of salt and move the fuck on you obviously yeah. haven't moved on yet so and i found the book the bar- the book is the subtle art of not giving a fuck by mark manson oh manson yeah that was so gonna love, be my guess. i love this book i just remembered it was orange um but you know for you john in all your time and everything you've learned between from going from the um why can't i think of it now the the bad parent was off parent Um, i drew a blank there from the off parent to the whole parent to today fast forward what is kind of your overarching umbrella um piece of advice if you had one umbrella piece of advice what is it yeah and and that's what i you know it was funny and in the early moments of blogging about it in the off parent I actually came up with the idea of the whole parent, but it took me another year to actually realize it was a thing. But what I realized, we were at the beach. I had taken my kids to the beach as a single dad for the first time. So it was the first time I was there with two young kids. I'm out on the beach. They're digging. I'm laying out there listening to music. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm here alone. And Normally we would come to the beach as a couple and Mm -hmm. I'd be out there like this and I'd be able to go in and take a nap and she'd stay out with the kids. And I'm like, Oh, so I have to grow back up from this diminished person into the whole parent and take over the half that is no longer with me. Mm -hmm. I have to do both sides. And that was the idea of the whole parent. So if you can, Focus on your children, focus on yourself and your love of your children. You can let go of your ex and build a better life for you and your kids, regardless of what, where she goes and what she does. Even in my case, where you have an unwilling and, and antagonistic co-parent, you can still, I still won. I may have lost all the battles along the way, but I am still really connected to my two children. And that's still one of the most important, it is the most important thing in my life. 
And so I won. I get I get the gold star at the end. Where she is with them, I, you know, is none of my business, right? Whether they like yeah. her or don't uh-huh. like her or, you know, we've got our lives together and we're going to be together forever. You know, you can't, if you got kids, you can't ever really divorce that person. And yeah. so you need to, you need to put them in the uh, container where they belong and focus on yourself and your relationship to your kids and let everything else go. Let it all, let everything else go. It's really yeah. hard, it but is. everything else has to go. It does. It does. Yeah. I love that. Well, John, the people can find more of you on Twitter at jmac of Earth. They can find you on Instagram at John. I still don't know how to say your last name. Oh, uh, yes, that. Um, that's J-O-H-N-M-C-E-L-H-E-N-N-E-Y. They can find you on Facebook at by searching Whole Parent. And then they can find you on your website, wholeparentbook.com which has all your amazing links, all your everything. I'll also link in the show notes, just your, um, your link in bio, your link tree thingy um, as well. Yeah. And that's a quick way to find you on all these different platforms and everything. But John, again, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure yeah, talking to you. It was fun. A um, lot of great, Thanks. great little tidbits here. Um, so yeah, again, thank you so much. It's been appreciated. Yeah. It was fun talking to you. Yeah, let me know when it's up and I'll socialize it through all my networks as well. Of course, of course. You'll be the first to know. Cool, man. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Have a good morning. One more thing. One more thing. We really hope that you enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. It was kind of fun to record. Before we head on out, you might remember Jason Brick, Save a Family on the Block. Well, he just had his book published, Blueprint, Save a Family on the Block Blueprint. It's amazing. I got an advanced copy. It was great. But when he was on, and when we bring him on again, we're going to talk more about this. Last time he was on, Jason mentioned, and he mentioned about school shootings. It's a controversial topic. It's a hot-button topic here in our, in our United States that we live in. If you're living out and about international, thank you for listening. Probably applies to you too. It could help. And, you know, we realize it's a problem that's not going away. We figured someone should make a course so parents like us can learn how to keep our kids and help make our kids safer. Because, I mean, Congress isn't doing anything about it. Police and schools aren't doing much. So it's up to us. So Jason went and had to build a course. And he's offering it to all of my listeners at a discount. To learn how to assess your school shooting plan, how to learn what your child is capable of in case of emergencies and the best responses to different shootings in different schools and how to talk with children about it without scaring them. It's a great course and Jason's a good guy. So you know it's coming from a good source. And we're putting our voice behind it because we think it's a great high quality product. Use the coupon code YOUNGDADS that's Y-O-U-N-G-D-A-D-S and the link in the description or head over to savefamilyontheblock.com use it over there both are good to work and you can thank us later and we really hope you enjoy and that's a great way that you can support your favorite podcast
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. We sincerely appreciate you being here. We sincerely appreciate you listening all the way until the end. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We sure had fun recording it. Make sure you head over to the website, fallboymedia.com. You'll be able to see all the amazing things we have going on, the projects, the podcast, the blogs, all the fun stuff we have going on over there. You can also check out that link tree in our in our description on every single episode. That takes you to our deals, to the website, to the podcast, and gives you all the ways to like, rate, and subscribe, and everything that you could want to do. Make sure that if you're listening on Spotify, you stop for a moment, go ahead and drop us those five stars. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button for me. Like the video, comment, and share. If you're on Apple, leave a five-star rating and leave a review for us to read in our next show. Any other platform, make sure you rate, review, comment, and share the podcast with a friend. Because I know you have friends that you want to share this with. Lastly, make sure you go and follow us at Young Dad Pod on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. We cannot wait for all that's to come. <laughs>